Hey, welcome to James Crowley's Infinite Playlist, the podcast where I try to hear every song that has ever existed, a podcast on the Lughole Network, and today we got some synergy for you. Uh, today I'm talking to comedy and podcast producer Al Kane. Uh, Al uh, runs Lughole Network. Uh, Al is the founder, creator. He'd asked me to be a part of this network, I think almost two years ago, and I really love being a part of it. Unity. There's so many great podcasts on this network. Uh, but I brought Al on to talk about Disney songs. Uh, Al is a big Disney fan. Uh, you will learn a little bit about uh, my feelings about certain Disney songs and uh, how I'm, I feel like I don't know as much Disney as maybe I should throughout this conversation. But it is a great chat. I really enjoy talking to Al. He, he's so knowledgeable about this and it's very funny. We had, we had a lot of laughs, you know, and, you know, we, we kind of had some things where like we ragged on Disney. It's great. I can't wait for you to hear it. Uh, before I do that, make sure that you follow Al on social media. He is at Al Kane Poops on Instagram. Hilarious handle. Uh, make sure you also check out his podcast, Al Kane's Interviews for the Mind. It's a great podcast. I did an episode. We talked a lot about uh, pop punk and music, and it, it's just a fun podcast. He has so many of my favorite personalities on it. It's a great interview show. Uh, you can also follow me on all my social media. I'm James P. Crowley on Instagram and TikTok, James P. Crowley 68 on Twitter. James Crowley's Infinite Playlist is on Instagram. I post music-related content. Lately, it's just been a lot of clips from me seeing The Wonder Years because I saw The Wonder Years three times over the past few weeks. So, um, yeah, but anyway, let's get into it. I'm, I'm very excited for... Well, so before we get into the playlist... Um, you know, I always ask, what type of music do you listen to? Are, so are, are we, this is part of the podcast right yeah, now? Yeah, so now I think we're kind of like getting started, getting into it. Cool, cool. All right. So I I, I don't know. I, I hate when people say, like, I listen to everything. Like, if you were going to, like, the dating websites, every right. girl thinks they listen to everything. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not true. It's, like, five genres. But it, it is a strange uh, I like dad music a lot. Like, I like... Uh, I'm sorry. There's the sirens going off right now. No worries. I like um, I like Beach Boys. I like okay. uh, I like Paul McCartney. I, very dad music. I like <laughs> Belafonte. Um, I, like, I think it's I like, funny I, that the uh, the first one you said it? is the Beach Boys, and you know we were talking about things we don't like. Where I do not like the Beach Boys, like at really? all. <laughs> there's, two, there's two different types of Beach Boys. There's yeah the Mike Love Beach Boys, the surfing Beach Boys that everyone loves, and I really don't like that. I like the Brian Wilson, uh, God only knows, you know, Pet Sounds Beach Boys. That's the Beach Boys I love, and I think it's, it's incredible. Right, and that's um, what gets mo- so much of the respect. Yeah, yeah, as it should. It's so good, uh, and I love uh, I love like orchestrated like composed music. It's some of my favorite, especially when I'm working. Uh, I love movie soundtracks and shit like that. I love just like John Williams and Hans Zimmer and stuff. I listen to that all day. Alan Silvestri, um, and I love Disney music. Like we're going to talk about today. Yeah. <laughs> And I love, uh, we've talked about it a little bit. I love Kanye. I love rap. Yeah. Uh, but like, I'm very specific uh, to my rap. I even, I love some of the stuff that's coming out today. Um, but yeah, I'm very specific to what I like. And it, it's got to be uh, different. It's got to be interesting. Um, but yeah. 
Absolutely. And I love that you mentioned orchestrated because that was, uh, we're going to get into it in a little bit, but that was partially where my mind went to with this, just because there's so many uh, classic Disney scores. And, you know, a lot my of people don't realize that. Yeah. That yeah. like these movies are being scored just like any other movie, you know, and sometimes they're even better. Uh, yeah. Especially, yeah. Especially when we have Alan Menken. I don't know if you're aware of Alan Menken. He is uh, a hero. I, he does like 90% of what is the Disney Renaissance is, is created by him. And he's one of the best composers of all time. He has the yeah. most Oscars for any living person, which is insane. And he's done incredible stuff on Broadway. I grew up listening to his, uh, his version of Little Shop of Horrors that like he had rearranged or something. Um, you know, I just remember seeing Alan Menken when I was in ninth grade, just kind of like, okay, listening to the dentist song. <laughs> yeah, he's the, he's the best. Man. And, yeah. uh, you know, he worked with Howard Ashman for a long time. And a lot of these songs we'll talk about is with him, with Howard Ashman. And he was, he's incredible. Absolutely. Uh, well, so the theme of the playlist, like you mentioned, is Disney songs. What kind of, uh, you said it instantly when I asked you to be on the podcast. Uh, what kind of, what's your relationship with Disney? You know, so I, I, first of all, I hope that I go on this podcast in the future and we talk about other things that aren't. Absolutely. Because I love all music, really. But uh, Disney is the one thing that popped in my head. First of all, because you haven't done it yet, right? Yeah. You haven't done it yet, um, and I just love it. I'm Disney's a big part of my personality. Uh, I grew up very psychiatrist. You can pick this apart any way you want. But I didn't have a great relationship with my dad. But the one thing we did have in common was we love Disney. We love Disney. We love Disney World. We love the theme parks. Um, so I would go there as a kid to the theme parks. I'd watch the movies constantly. I'd watch the plastic uh, VHS, you know, bins. That's all I did all the time. Uh, a big reason why I moved out to Hollywood was to visit Disneyland all the time. I love these movies and I listen to the music probably once a day. Like there's, there's going to be some point of the day where I'm listening to Disney music. Absolutely. That's super cool. Uh, would you self-identify as a Disney adult? Uh, no so, okay <laughs> because that was kind of uh, an entrapping question <laughs> no yeah no because i understand it and i understand first of all why it's you know weird why so many comedians make fun of it and stuff like adults just loving disney so first of all i am i am a disney adult because i am an adult that goes to disneyland right. by himself and enjoys it by himself and i listen to disney podcast so sure i am a disney adult but I'm not, I don't have the Disney pictures around my house. I don't have the Beauty and the Beast salt shakers. I don't, right. <laughs> I don't do that. I don't dress up as the characters. Like I don't do the cosplay or the Disney bounding. There's, there's a, uh, and I, I smoke a lot of weed and I feel like most, <laughs> Disney, most Disney adults are sober. <laughs> yes. And they, they are very turned off by that. Why I hesitate to call myself a Disney adult is because, you know, I'm a realist and I feel like Disney adults just aren't realists. They're just these right. fantasy world people. It's escapism. Yeah, it really is. And I, I don't see it that way. I, one of my favorite pastimes is eating a bunch of edibles and going <laughs> to Disneyland. It's one of the best things ever. <laughs> right. You're like, I don't think it still happens, but there used to be like World Goth Day at Disney World where, not that I think that you're a goth kid, but like, I'm like, that's kind of like the Disney thing that I, I don't know what it is, but it, it, I'm sure if you Google it, you could find the exact day. And it was like, oh yeah, you know, just like all the goths get together, go to Disney World. 
See, there isn't one thing I know of called Dapper Day, and that's exactly the type of shit I'm, I'm talking about, which I, I would not do, is if you, you show up to the, the park wearing dapper clothing, meaning like clothing from like the 1800s, you right. know, like beautiful, just colorful clothing. You look like you just came that. out of Mary Poppins. Exactly. Yeah. And, they, and everyone gets into it. I mean, it's great for them, but yeah. that's why I don't really consider myself to be a big Disney adult. But what's your relationship like with Disney? Um, so, I mean, obviously I grew up watching Disney movies, but not nearly as much as I think that a lot of other people did. I was definitely a little bit more of like a Nickelodeon kid. Um, I was much more connected with that sort of world. Granted, I loved like, my mom always tells stories about me seeing uh, The Lion King when I was younger. And, you know, I would tell people like, my favorite movie was The Lion King, raw, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. or like loving Toy Story. But even like kind of kind of early on into uh, my late childhood, those things started to get like, not, not perverted in the sense of the actual media, but like this, my memories attached to them did because like my mom would like, I love Toy Story. I had like a Woody that I would like drag around with me. It was filthy. And then I showed it to my aunt and I said, oh, I got a Woody today. And then she said, your uncle did too. <laughs> when I was like three, you know, which like you can make that joke to a three-year-old cause they're not going to get it. but. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You were just like any other boy in the '90s. If you're if you're a boy in the '90s, you're you're loving Hercules, Aladdin, Lion King, Toy yeah. Story. That's what you just do. There's no yeah. option. And then I got more into like Power Rangers and stuff. And then when I got a little bit older, I started enjoying kind of Disney from, uh, you know, this is going to sound so douchey, but like an intellectual point of view, because mm. it's film history. And, you know, there are aspects of it that are American history. And I've been to Disney World twice, I think. And I, I had a great time both times. But even that is a very important piece of like Americana. Right. And that's one of my favorite things to do when I go to the parks is kind of see how it was all constructed. Like, I really I don't care about like the characters that much or like the music right. or anything when I'm there. It's more of just like seeing how was this constructed? You know, uh, the Imagineers, how do they put this together when you go on these slow, dark rides? You know, what are what magic tricks are they are they doing? How are they constructing this together? And that's one of my favorite things. And even when I watch these movies, Absolutely. you know, like growing up, you know, Lion King is the best movie ever yeah. but then you, you you can become a little critical of it you know as you grow older and you're like well that's not so great and this right. movie does this better, you know so it, I, i'm the same where i like to look at it at a more you know film fan level exactly yeah and i mean they're so well made that they do deserve that kind of scrutiny you don't you know i'm not gonna watch you know the lion king the same way i watch like shark tale no, yeah, and these movies are being nominated for Oscars, you know, yeah. so, it, you know, in actual best picture sometimes, too, Beauty and the Beast and Up, you know, and a couple others. Uh, yeah, so they should be, you know. Absolutely. Um, and actually, that's kind of a good jumping in point, because your first song, I, I'm actually kicking myself that I didn't include a certain song from this. But um, it is one of my favorite Disney movies. It's The Hunchback of Notre Dame, The Bells of Notre Dame. Good 
Living in Paris, the city awakes to the bells of Notre Dame. The fisherman fishes, the breakerman fakes to the bells of Notre Dame. To the big bells as loud as the thunder, to the little bells soft as a psalm. Right. So let me let me say first off, uh, when I compiled this playlist, I I, I didn't want to incorporate too many things that were obvious because of course there's okay. there's songs that are like part of your world from little mermaid or right. Belle from beauty and the beast that there are actually amazing songs but everyone knows them so what's the point i'm not going to just right. talk about how awesome these awesome songs are <laughs> i want to really just display the songs that i'm listening to every day that other people just aren't listening to so and uh and hunchback is the the epitome of all of that you know the hunchback oh, yeah. Notre Dame, first of all is, as a movie is I think the best Disney movie. Uh, yeah, it's dark as hell. It's very dark. Well, the, the biggest problem with it, the reason why it's not regarded as such a great film is its toning issue. It's yeah. extremely dark, but then you have dancing gargoyles. Yeah. And so it, Disney didn't really understand what to do. They understood that we could make these cartoons for adults because they did that with Aladdin and Lion King and Beauty and the Beast. Adults can like these too, but they took it to the next step, and and that is a movie about rape. <laughs> yeah, what... there's a lot of sexual trauma in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> um, Rollo is the villain because he wants to rape Esmeralda. That's, yeah. that's the main plot of the movie. So it's really easy to you know think of this movie as kind of like gross and weird. But if you really look at it, first of all, it's one of the most beautiful. Oh, I, I would gorgeous. say Hunchback and Pocahontas are the most beautiful. Uh, animated films ever they're they're beautiful and uh the music is beautiful I, alan menken the composer of the of the movie he said it himself he says this is my greatest work the hunchback of notre dame wow. um mike michael eisner who was ceo of disney for a long time he says the greatest disney movie ever made was hunchback of notre dame and i think uh all the songs are great but what really wraps it all t- together is the intro once you start the movie it's a big movie it's a big scale yeah. And you start the movie off with this huge song that really just sets the setting. It's, it's I, I love it. And it's, 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 it's epic. Like, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say it's kind of epic. And it, you know, it sets it up for this dark story. It does get some of the lighter aspects in with, you know, just sort of the tone of some of the, you know, like some of the early stuff and the way that some people kind of, you know, the inflections that you have, those cartoony voices. But, you know, really once you get Frollo in there, it's, you know, you know where you are. Absolutely. And I always say my favorite Disney songs are the songs that I could play in my car and blast in the highest volume and really feel the surround sound and really get into it. This is a song where you just blast in your car and it's huge and you feel like you just experienced something. It almost feels like a high, you know? And uh, it's, and it's, it's uh, the lyrics are by Stephen Schwartz, who's one of my favorite lyricists. He's my second favorite after Howard Ashman. He did like Prince of Egypt and... Uh, Pocahontas and he's so like descriptive so when you listen to Bells of Notre Dame it's all just incredible vocabulary and just really descriptive of what you're looking at and it really shows you why this building is so important to Paris you know absolutely it's you know it's not the most obvious uh 
piece to adapt for a Disney movie either, which no. I think that I love. You know, it's a classic, it's a Victor Hugo work of French literature. And I mean, mm. Disney goes all over the world, but you don't necessarily expect that from them where they're like, oh, we're going to do this a, a more or less straight adaptation. I know that they had some liberties for it, but you know, more or less, we're going to do the actual story from the book. Yeah, I, I could be wrong. That Victor Hugo's people liked the movie, like they they approved of it. And uh, you know, I I have a five year old niece. If I show this to her, she would not like it at all. You know, there's maybe she would right. like Esmeralda, but there's not much going on for for little kids. And some reason I liked it as a kid, maybe just from the advertising because they did a hell of a job right. advertising this film. Everything they had great McDonald's toys. If McDonald's I and Burger, King, Burger King, one of the few times. Yeah. Uh, that both uh, restaurants did it, and I actually have all of them in my house. <laughs> um, oh, that's awesome! I love I love the film. It's one of my favorite films of all time, and and it's certainly the most underrated Disney film of all time. Oh, definitely. Have you ever seen um, Lindsay Ellis's essay video essay about I, it? I love Lindsay Ellis. All her videos, I do too. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite ones. I love that one. I love her Hercules uh, retrospective too. Yeah. She's like, she's been a very important force, at least like for me on my own in going back and exploring Disney on my own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she, she takes it like logically and, and she shows like, uh, like I said with the Hercules one, she shows like, well, there we can look at this and, and think of it fondly, but there's also just like, a lot of this is not working and let's really dive into like why this isn't working, you know? Yeah. And, and a lot of people want to, like, if I go on, on a Disney Reddit, you know, everyone is just be like, no, that's awesome. And there's no, right. <laughs> there's no, debate there's no here, criticism. You know? That's the thing. So even a hunchback, which like I said, is my favorite, or I think maybe the, one of the best Disney films, there's obviously a lot wrong with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one of the things I do, uh, I do want to shout out before we move on into my first song, I, I kicked myself once I saw it on yours and I realized that I didn't have it on mine was I wanted to have Hellfire. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, it, it, to me, that was the big debate whether to do Bells and Notre Dame or Hellfire because Hellfire is awesome. It's yeah. great. And it's, it's also, uh, it starts with Heaven's Light. So it goes to Heaven's Light yeah. until Hellfire and it's an amazing, it's probably the second best song, I think. Yeah, great juxtaposition. And I, you know, <laughs> on your podcast, we talked about pop punk and, uh, you know, emo, which is most of what I listen to. A lot of those songs are just guys whining about sex, too. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of it a is. pop punk Disney song. He's the original emo. It's true. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, but I, I'm glad that we didn't repeat any songs. I thought I, I, thought I would have. A lot of the songs on your list. I, I was thinking of at first, and I think you're number one, if we can reveal it now, uh, be prepared. My words are a matter of pride. It's clear from your vacant expressions. The lights are not all on upstairs. But we are talking kings and successions. Even you can't be caught unawares. Oh! So prepare for the chance of a lifetime. Be prepared for sensational news. A shiny new era. Yeah, was I, definitely on Lion my list. Yes, that that is one of the best Disney villain songs ever. 
Yeah, it's so seductive. Um, and, you know, it kind of it kind of hits similar beats to Hellfire, where it's just this epic, soaring, you know, intense song. And I love Jeremy Irons' performance in it, where he's just, you know, kind of funny, kind of intense, you know, well, not kind of, he's very- really, really queer, you know, like yeah. a lot of a big theme with these Disney villains, and I think we'll go more into it with Ursula or or Jafar. Uh, a big theme is, you know, good Disney villains are pretty gay. You yeah, know? they're all queer coded. Yeah, and for some reason, it, it really works with these characters. And if you look at the way Scar, you know, especially during Be Prepared, it, it's that's certainly the essence. It's very um, drag. You know, very drag queen. Yeah, he's very much, he kind of, uh, you know, he fits into a certain stereotype of a gay man, uh, mm. which like for me as a straight guy, I'm not necessarily the person that I think should be giving, you know, mm. I don't know if, you know, we should be the ones talking about Neither it. No, probably not. But no. like, but you know, you are right where it's, you know, he kind of carries himself with that certain sense of poise, you know, like I lived with a drag queen in college and, you know, when uh, she was in character in full-blown drag, that was sort of the attitude, you know, not mm. so much that, you know, I thought she was going to kill her brother, but, you know. It, and, and, you know and that, that's what's missing, honestly, from the, the remake. I don't know if you saw the, the they call not. it live action, but it's really CGI, the yeah. one that came out a couple of years ago. Did you see that? I did not. And people hate on it. I, first of all, I think it's very good. I think it does what it's supposed to. It is, it's retelling the same exact story, but let's make it look like real life. And I think yeah. it really succeeds at that. People wanted more from it. I don't, I don't really get what they wanted more from. But that being said, a big problem with the film is they cut out Be Prepared. They, they turned it more into like a, a poem because I, I think the, the thought process was from John Favreau, like, we want these animals to do real life things like a, a real lion wouldn't be, you know, dancing like that. And hyenas right. wouldn't be, you know, marching, marching like soldiers with a green like mist around you. It, right. I guess it, it was unrealistic, but it, it was really missing from the movie. It, it, it could have also been, you know this uh, you know if you're gonna kind of take apart be prepared a little bit there's very obvious like nazi references <laughs> in the oh, way 100%. that it's you know built where scar is made to be like a dictator and yeah, which I, honestly is fine like I, star yeah. wars does the same thing it, it, that's what villains look like to us you know yeah it, it, but, it works yeah but i feel like maybe what was that three years ago or so uh, the, the, yeah about two years ago yeah yeah they could they might have thought like oh maybe we don't want to put <laughs> yeah but i i think the biggest problem was uh the, the the voice the actor they chose the voice actor uh great actor i forget his name at the moment um but he's not like i said uh he, jeremy irons is very gay <laughs> yeah very, he's very i don't know what's the right word the, to, i've been listening uh, that's not right I've been listening to, um, what's it called? Uh, I've been listening to Jamie Loftus's uh, Lolita podcast recently. Mm. Um, and she talks about uh, the 1997 adaptation of Lolita that Jeremy Irons played Humbert Humbert in. And like, Scar kind of is like a Humbert Humbert type character where, you know, Absolutely. he's a bad man, but very seductive and, you know, makes you like him even though you're not supposed to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And it, it, the, the, the remake doesn't do that. The remake, honestly, they made Scar look like a crackhead. It looks like oh, really? he's been on, <laughs> on that for a while. Um, it's He's not, you know, pleasurable. Like, Scar's awesome in the original cartoon. Like, yeah. he is, you, you honestly get his side, too. You see this little, like, shitty kid that's taking over the <laughs> right the, the you know, he doesn't like his bratty on his bratty nephew he's the worst and you totally understand it and even mufasa kind of sucks too you, you understand yeah scar's side where, where in the remake that doesn't really happen and i think that's the the one dislike for myself uh with the remake but like i said it's it's worth if you like the original lion king it's it's hard not to like the remake because it's the same movie i'll look into it you know i feel like with all the live action Disney movies there's just been so much there's been I feel like anytime one comes out as soon as the trailer drops people start criticizing it yeah well, well first of all it's lame remaking yeah. Disney movies is a lame thing so it's really hard for me to like it so like uh, Corella came out and it was solid like I, I did enjoy it but I still came out of the theater just like that was just stupid like what, what are we doing <laughs> this is really just lame I, um I'm still and a lot of them are bad it. I'm still oh, waiting on Cruella uh, to get released on Disney mm-hmm. uh, Disney Plus like normally. I was I was honestly worried about it. I'm not a big fan of when movies make a whole soundtrack out of you know 80s 90s pop songs. You know, yeah, and that's what they do. You know, it's very Harley Quinn. Uh, it's but it, it honestly works. They made it work. Like they they like a lot of the songs they they make it useful to the script like it it works out it's a, it's a good movie it's fine i'm excited i back when i was working at newsweek i had a story lined up for when it eventually came out and then i got laid off before it came out so i never got to write it but my editor was like if you want to write cruella's not punk and i'm telling everyone we could do that <laughs> yeah because it's very poser punk it really yeah. is and uh you know, like you don't need to see any of these movies. I've, like, I I saw Aladdin and the remake, and it's fine. They're all fine. I keep you know? forgetting that the Aladdin remake came out. Yeah, and like, there's there's always positive. The best the best remake I would say is the Jungle Book. To me, the Jungle Book was oh, okay. the only one that might be better than the original. Uh, it, it it offers more. Uh, every single one of other ones, you know, the Beauty and the Beast, the Maleficent, they're not as good as the original. I haven't, well, so we'll get to the Jungle Book in a bit, but that's another one, you know, I only saw the live action Beauty and the Beast, so I might check out the live action Jungle Book. Yeah, see, that's not a good place to start, because that that is, it's not great, the live action, like, yeah. and I think it's, what's, what's her name, Emma Watson? Emma Watson, yeah. Yeah, I think she is, uh, and I like her, but she is one of the, the biggest problems in the movie, and it's about her, the movie's about her, and yeah. it's, she's, she's not Belt. Yeah, she's not... <laughs> she's, I remember watching it and I was like, I don't care about anyone in this. Yeah, yeah. And then on top of that, the CGI was pretty bad, which is, you know, Disney should be on top of good CGI. But I don't believe that Beast is there. You know, it doesn't look (laughs) real. Absolutely. Um, Well, let's roll on into your next pick, uh, which I think also has another live action remake or one coming out. uh, Pink Elephants on Parade from Dumbo.
I'll, I'll start off with saying that the remake was horrible. A lot oh, of people it? liked it. It was, to me, maybe the it worst It was Tim one. Burton, right? Right. And I'm a yeah. big Tim Burton fanatic. I love all of his stuff. Well, at least his earlier stuff. Yeah. But uh, I, I like some of his newer stuff. I don't know if you've ever seen Big Eyes. Um, I, I wanted to see that. I heard it was great. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Like, he still has something in him. Yeah. Uh, so you think Dumbo circuses and nonsense like that. You think this is right up his alley, but it's it's very untimber in the film, right? You know, and it, it's very. Well, that, uh, they made it not so much about the elephant and more about the family around the elephant, and it's it's not good. That was kind of how I felt about his um, Alice in Wonderland. But tell me a little bit about Pink Elephants on Parade. Okay, so well, uh, let me start off with saying Dumbo, in my opinion, the original one, is not a good movie. I, at yeah. the beginning of this uh, this quarantine pandemic thing, I made it a point to, I don't know if you remember on my Instagram, I wrote down every single uh, major movie from Disney, and I watched every single one to wow. get a good adult rewatch. Because a lot yeah. of these films you see throughout your life and you don't really pay attention Dumbo was always like, yeah, it's just a classic, and there's a there's a cute Dumbo in it, and it was, it's great, right? And I rewatched it. it. It doesn't offer a lot, and that's mainly because it was made on a very tight schedule, a very short budget. They threw it together, and there's not a lot going for the film, and a, and a lot of the stuff is racist. <laughs> like I remember, of- I remember hearing that, <laughs> you know. It, like- even for the time, like, I don't even think it's like a time thing. I think even at that time, it cannot be perceived as like something that's okay. Um, the movie doesn't offer a lot. It offers a cute uh, cartoon elephant. And then it offers an amazing animated sequence, which is the pink elephants on parade. So Dumbo drinks beer and he hallucinates. Right. And he it's imagined, tragedy. Right. And he imagines this uh, song in his head. And it's one of the greatest weirdest songs ever you know it, it's it, it's innovative it, it takes you places it uses different genres of music as you go through it and it, honestly it's like a, it's a masterpiece it's uh it's funny <laughs> it's, yeah it's there's no other song like pink elephants on parade it's creepy and it's it's, it's eerie that was what i wrote down in my notes eerie. it's very it, like haunts you the voices are incredible one of the voices is, is mel blank who voiced oh. uh, Buck Bunny and a bunch of characters. Um, it, like you said, it's it's there it, that era of Disney. There's a lot of weird, creepy things. Like you, if you ever watch Pinocchio, and he's going to uh, Pleasure Island, and there's a lot of just nightmare fu- uh, fuel. Right. Like one of the songs you picked, we'll we'll talk about is Nightmare Fuel. Uh, yeah. th- this is one of them, and it's like I wouldn't show this to my niece, you know, but. <laughs> I, I've showed it to my friends who've never heard the song or really paid attention to the song, and some of them love it now. Like, I, I, I lived with my, I think you know Ryan Lake Streams, a fellow comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I roomed with him one time uh, for a couple of years, and we, I'm not even exaggerating, played the song every single night in our living room. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we danced to it. Like, it, it's a, it's it's a it's a trip and you don't even need to be high to like <laughs> well i end up feeling like a lot of you know a lot of the kids movies this song always ends up on anytime you see a list of like creepiest uh kids movies moments this yes. is always in there there this one and uh the riverboat scene from willy wonka never fail to appear and, right. well, and, 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 and like the difference is the willy wonka one is trying to freak you out you know they're yeah. chopping chicken heads you know, this is let's scare children 
I don't think that was the intent with pink elephants on no. parade. I think these are just a bunch of just hippies making <laughs> uh, cartoons. They're a bunch of just guys that went to college and you know smoked a lot of weed, did a lot of LSD, and they're like, let's just make some awesome. Like, the, the, no one's gonna watch this movie. Dumbo was a flop at first release, right? And uh, they're like, let's just make something really cool and fun, and that's what they did with pink elephants. It, it's different. Yeah, and I feel like all the yeah, I feel like all the things that kind of come out of Dumbo, at least, that are memorable are mostly like the visuals. And like this song in particular has some of the most memorable visuals because it's so like trippy and freaky and fun. Yeah, at one point you're you're in Egypt and there's belly dancing elephants. Yeah. And, and then that's another thing the, the remake fucking did not give a shit about. They turned it into him looking at bubbles. And that was it. Wow. Did it have? I feel like I feel like that is one of the big downsides to a lot of the remakes now. Is they kind of gut a lot of the things that were weird that made these special, right? And uh, I, I think the problem is the audience doesn't know what they want. A lot of people want an exact shot-for-shot remake, and a lot of people want the opposite. You know, yeah. a lot of people want something completely different. I think I'm a middleman. I think I want a little bit of both. I don't care. Just make a good movie. Right. You want something that kind of pays tribute to the thing that you grew up loving, but also something that maybe does things different and makes you think about it differently. Right. So if, if I'm hearing Tim Burns making a movie about Dumbo, I'm thinking, let's see Tim Burns' mind work with this song and let's make the yeah. greatest elephant on parade ever. And it just wasn't. It was just, you know, disappointing. Yeah. Uh, well, so I won't revisit that live action remake. I, my brother liked it. It has Michael Keaton and, and Danny DeVito, and they're both excellent in it. But they're just not given anything. Like the, the right. movie is just nothing. Like the the movie, you don't learn anything from watching the movie. It's I mean, very similarly to the original cartoon. The cartoon, nothing happens. Like it's just it's it's basically showing you not to like judge judge books by by their cover because you know right. it's an ugly elephant that has big ears, <laughs> which you don't really believe. It's a cute elephant, you know. Right. You know, there's a reason that. People go to Disney World to ride them. Yeah, which is also a ride I never understood. I, I rode it as a kid. I go there now. I have no interest. It's just a it's a carnival ride. It goes in circles. It's, it, I, it's for little little kids, I think. Yes, I think we're both too old for for it. There's a lot of versions of it too. Like there's there's an Aladdin Magic Carpet ride, which is it's the same exact ride. Yeah. It just goes in circles. I, I don't understand it. If only those Disney rides were as rickety as real. Circus yeah. carnival rides are. <laughs> Those are the safe versions of the things that just roll from town to town. They uh, in, in Animal Kingdom in Disney World, they uh, they they had no more budget when they were originally building it, so they had a little plot of land. They were like, "What can we do with this land with virtually no money?" And the idea was this, it was called Dino Land USA. Oh, and, I remember that. I've like yeah, watched videos just, about that. They just took a bunch of you know carnival rides and put it in the park and made it seem like that was what they were going for. So they purposely cracked the cement in the ground. They purposely yeah. made really shitty looking rides because that's the, the aesthetic they're going for. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I, I always see the cracks in the ground whenever I, uh, there's like someone on TikTok that does, uh, what's it called? Like, oh, Disney intentionally makes things look bad sometimes. And right, it's like- exactly. Or like they're like, oh, you know, Disney purposefully like 
is doing bad things sometimes and i'm like that in that case it's not bad though no <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's a very clickbaity title yeah. yeah um but anyway let's roll on into my next song which was i'll make a man out of you from mulan Which I liked before I really, I shouldn't say before I saw Mulan, because I saw Mulan when I was a little kid. I had the DV or the VHS tape. Um, it didn't get a lot of play for me because, you know, I was a boy. I liked Power Rangers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I was in high school and I was on a chorus trip, um, one of the videos that they showed on the bus was Mulan and I wasn't really paying attention, but then during I'll make a man out of you, everyone on the bus was singing along while I had my headphones in. So I took my (laughs) headphones out and I was like, this is super cool. What is this song? And it's a jam. It really is. And uh, I think it's the song that made people nostalgic for Mulan again, because Mulan was, was a little bit of a flop. It didn't perform the way they wanted to. It was kind of, toward the end of the Disney Renaissance. Yeah. Uh, meeting like in the nineties, there was all those great Disney films and it eventually ended with like Mulan and Tarzan. And uh, it was kind of forgotten about for a few years. A lot of people didn't really uh, give any attention. It. Yeah. But first of all, Mulan is awesome. The ending is not very good, but the film is good. Yeah. It has a lot of merit. And the best part about it is the music, the music in Mulan, all of it, every single song is awesome. And that's, yeah. and that's mainly why the ending isn't great because the music stops after the, the big war uh, right. on purpose. They, they wanted to make it more serious, serious after that. But, yeah. but it didn't work, you know, but everything before that is, is amazing. So I think out of all the songs in Milan, this is the song that's just so different. And it's and for for boys growing up, it's just fun and it's kung fu and action. You know, catchy and you know you kind of have that big soaring chorus and you know uh, there was a point in college that this used to be the song that I would listen to like while I was stretching before I worked out. (laughs) You know, I was like, all right, I'm getting ready to go on the track. I'm gonna be uh, fierce as a. uh, Now I'm drawing a blank on the lyrics, but like you know, (laughs) I'm gonna move with all the force of a great typhoon you know <laughs> and now you know you look back on it and it is like a little lame uh yeah. danny osmond i, I believe voices Donny osmond uh, does it um yeah, jackie like, chan sang it in the chinese version which is super wow cool. I, didn't know I love when they do that um yeah I, like i know for hercules go the distance uh ricky martin did the spanish version oh that's cool i didn't know that yeah so it's cool when they do stuff like that but yeah, like, uh, I'll Make a Man Out of You definitely, I think, stands out as the best song. Like, there's a, every song in Milan's great. Reflection is awesome, you know? Like, they're beautiful songs, but there's something different about I'll Make a Man Out of You. It's very empowering. It's It, it gets you psyched. It, you know, I, I totally agree. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, it's unfortunately it's very gendered but also i feel like because it's so great it's kind of uh transcended gender (laughs) to an extent where i've heard like women do crazy awesome versions of i'll make a man out of you 
Yeah, I, I think there's an understanding of what it means. I don't think when when females listen to this song, I don't think they they're angry by it. I think they understand right. what the person means. I mean, it's it's a period film, you know, yeah. so people will say something like that. In gender whatever. is a very important topic in Mulan. Yeah, uh, it's the whole it's the yeah. movie. It's about that. Yeah. I I didn't see the Mulan remake. That's the one I didn't see. I haven't either. I just remember. I remember hearing people were angry about it, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, they they want the direction with no music and no right. Uh, what's the dragon's name? Tofu or something? Oh, um, I just know. <laughs> I always just think of Eddie Murphy Dragon. I think yeah, it's Eddie Mushu. Murphy. Mushu. Mushu. Yeah, there, there's no Mushu. You know, so it, that kind of takes the fun out of Mulan. Yeah. Why am I watching? Like, yeah, sure, it's a it's a beautiful story told through time and I guess they're paying, paying homage to that, but I really just care about what makes the movie great. And that is the, the fun of Mulan. Yeah. Um, and speaking of fun, so I'll say, so your next song was poor unfortunate souls from the little mermaid. Unfortunate merfolk like yourselves. Poor souls with no one else to turn to. I admit that in the past I've been a nasty. They weren't kidding when they called me well a witch. But you'll find that nowadays I've mended all my ways. Repented, seen the light and made a switch. True, yes. And I fortunately know a little magic. It's a talent. Um, but so... About an hour ago, when you know, I was doing last minute prep. I but I was driving my girlfriend to the train station, and I was playing your playlist and listening along. And you know, so we were listening to Pink Elephants on Parade, and you know, she kind of looked at me like, "Why are we listening to this?" But then, poor unfortunate soul started, and she got really excited, and I skipped it because I was like, "Oh, I know this one. I don't need it for the prep." And she got really mad at me. Because it is known as one of the better Disney songs. It's very yeah. popular. Uh, really deciding uh, which, which one to pick here. Because Little Mermaid needed a spot up here. Right. And Part of Your World may be the better song. It's beautiful. It's just fucking amazing in every way possible. But Poor Unfortunate Souls offers something different. Where like I don't feel yeah. like any other song in the world sounds like it. It's very witty. It's fast. It's evil. Uh, you know, Ursula was the first great renaissance villain yeah. you know and I, i've talked before about alan menken and, and howard ashman uh you know they worked together for a long time before ashman died this was like to me the epitome of them working together so well like this is where ashman's lyrics just come out and it just works so well with the music it's it's everything it needs to be it's very fun and it kind of you know it kind of speaks to the perfect person that any villain in any story kind of targets mm-hmm. you know um right. listening to it now i was i had just listened to i just read this book called the invisible life of Addie larue and you know the villain in that story it's kind of implied that he's like the devil or like an old you know dark god or something but he does exactly this he targets the poor unfortunate souls um yeah. and and in, in the song 
like you realize, wait, we're the poor unfortunate soul. Yeah. <laughs> the ones asking to be skinny and, you know, asking for the loves of our lives and things for the thing, you know, asking for the things that we want, you know? Yeah. So it's very, it's very dry and realistic and commenting on society. Even it's, it, it just works in so many levels. And how those things all lead us to put our faith in evils. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it, it helps the film so much because if you if you rewatch Little Mermaid, the big problem is Ariel's an idiot. She's just sixteen year old. Like it's hard to side with her when everything she believes in is so wrong. You know, like she doesn't know this person. You know, yeah. you want to leave your whole family. Your whole family's telling you this is a bad idea, dude. Like this is <laughs> this is the one. This song kind of brings it together where it's telling us we're the Ariel. You know, yeah. <laughs> we're are the aerial. Like we all put our faith in, you know, we all want exactly. these great things, and then, you know, are they worth it? Not really. We find out, yeah. or you know, did we just get rid of them? That, it's the same thing that caused the Great Depression. We're the humans that bought all these things on credit. You know, we wanted yeah. a, a microwave oven. We wanted a, <laughs> or no, they didn't have microwave ovens back then. A blender. We wanted a blender. We wanted an <laughs> oven. You know, we bought all this shit on credit that we couldn't afford, you know? So it's this, it's really commenting on humans. And I think it the makes... The Little Mermaid them... as the capitalism of... Uh, the critique of capitalism. <laughs> 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 but yeah. And I mean, like you said, there's so many, you know, so many songs from The Little Mermaid that could have been. You know, I even thought about doing Under the Sea because it's just it's, so well known. And that's one where I, I think Kiss the Girl in Under the Sea growing up it, it seemed very lame and girly. I never yeah. liked it growing up, but now I listen to it and I'm just, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and, and to me, the music is the only thing that gives Little Mermaid anything because it's not perfectly animated. Uh, sure, her hair looks great floating in yeah. the water. Like, there is a lot of greatness that comes besides the music but it's still not it's not a long film and think it's like an hour and 20 minutes there's not a lot going for it, but the music is just so perfect and the and the voice casting is so yeah. perfect and you know you have ursula who is a very fun villain yeah well she, she started that whole thing we we're talking about the whole yeah. drag queen thing we're talking yeah. about and it really set the standard of what a disney villain should be you know and i wish they still did that i feel like the last version of that was uh, Dr. Facilier, I think is his name, in, in Princess of the Frog, uh, right. which was, again, like this very, you know, flamboyant. I don't know if that's the right word to use. <laughs> very, Just kind uh, of, I, you know, I always think about, um, you know, kind of over-the-top villains. And I, I always think about the line, The Witch in the Wardrobe, where, you know, why is the winter queen evil and she's mm. just evil for the sake of being evil and that's right. it <laughs> right and yeah. like i think that that's all these villains are and it's great and it's fun where now i feel like when there's a bad guy in a disney movie they they have to have a reason and like you kind of sympathize with them right which can work like uh i don't know if you're if you're a marvel marvel avengers fan yeah, um I love that stuff. But like uh, a Thanos, it, it really works yeah. where you really understand why he wants to do it. Cause otherwise, why would this person want to do such a despicable thing? You know, what's driving it. So sometimes right. they can make it work, but sometimes like I've seen black widow recently and that villain is just a villain. 
And it really works because it's a fresh reminder of sometimes you don't need to understand why they're doing everything. They're just bad things happen just to be bad. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And part of it too is just sometimes it is just fun to be bad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I always think Ursula, she makes things fun. I I agree. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, But let's roll on in to my next pick, which was the Bear Necessities from the Jungle Book. Look for the Bear Necessities, the simple Bear Necessities. Forget about your worries and your strife. I mean the Bear Necessities or Mother Nature's recipes that bring the Bear Necessities of life. Wherever I wander, wherever I roam, I couldn't be found of my big home. The bees are buzzing in the tree to make some... Um, which, when I think back to when I was a little kid, The Jungle Book was one of my favorite Disney movies. Um, okay. It was one of the first movies that, you know... I could recognize now was like a comfort film where like I would sometimes just put it on late at night if I wanted to look at something familiar. Um, And it's not like a golden era Disney movie. It's not Cinderella. It's not, you know, uh, like Snow White or something, but it kind of has a very unique style to it that I really like. It's very 60s, 70s. It has a very hippie feel. The way that his hair is and the way that his uh his pants are like you can tell this is something yeah. created at the same time of the monkeys and the beetles like it feels very similar to that exactly and then you know you have like baloo who's just you know kind of a a fun character that you know comfort food. he's he's yeah. just he's he's the dad everyone wants you know even though he's not a great guy no uh, which you know which is very human um it's he's still just so lovable and warm you know yeah, he's someone, you know, I kind of think a lot about, like, the comedians that I like now. They're usually people that are just kind of like, you know, they feel like, they feel like dads, you know, yeah. and like, you don't necessarily recognize that, you know, they just kind of talk about silly things and like, kind of seem carefree, you know, yeah. without really caring. And, you know, that's all you need, the, the bare necessities. <laughs> Yeah, I grew up not really understanding Jungle Book. I, I never really, first of all, I, I, I didn't get the whole uh, flat red flower thing uh, until I got older. Like, I didn't understand, like, the point of the movies about fire and man creates fire and animals want fire. That never stuck in my head when I watched it. So I didn't really love Jungle Book growing up. And I, it was kind of boring to me. But as I grew older, I really understand why it's a great film and why the music really works too you know there's uh go to sleep i think is the, the title yeah. of, the, of the snake uh, song ka um yeah. there's uh what's, what's the one the i want to be like you which I is like you. Prima. yeah yeah uh, oh you, you that's right you have it on your, on your list yeah um it's, it's just fun and it, it does what it's supposed to do again you know yeah and you know i it's funny when i was revisiting this you know because i probably hadn't listened to this song in years and you know i was going through thinking like disney songs this is kind of like a proto hakuna matata you know right just not, way less annoying i grew up yeah. to like realize that like Matata is a fucking annoying song <laughs> oh yeah anytime i meet someone that that is their motto i'm like yeah 
Yeah. I'd, like, I'd it, rather it, I'd rather have the bare necessities than no worries. <laughs> I I agree, and uh, you know it, it's it it speaks to the film a little bit because Hakuna Matata was the one song in Lion King that wasn't made by uh, the musicians. Oh, yeah. It wasn't made by Ellen John, it wasn't made behind Zimmer, it wasn't made by uh, the group of singers, I forget their names. Um, it was the, the animation team and writers, they went out to Africa and on their trip to Africa, they they saw the, the motto, Hakuna Matata, Hakuna Matata, and they made the song on their trip. And they came back and all the musicians were pissed. They're like, oh, you're that's... just gonna make a song? That's not your job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would be too. And And you listen back to Lion King and you can love it. I understand people yeah. enjoying why. I understand why it's great. Um, it's the worst song on the album. It's it's not good <laughs> to me. It's it's really annoying. It's it's the song in in Toy Story that uh, the baby's listening to in the car because it's made to show like this is what babies listen to. <laughs> where bare necessities is, is so just laid back and and calm yeah. and just like. Yeah, man, just lay back in the river, get on my tummy, you know, let's yeah. let's just drift down the, the river. The thing that I also really enjoy about the music of uh, the Jungle Book now, as I've gotten older too, is a lot of it's very like jazz influenced. And like, yeah. that's like my favorite era of jazz. I love like 50s, 60s jazz music, just because, mm -hmm. you know, it can be very expressive and it can express all sorts of different things, but it can also be very relaxing when I want it right. to be. And, and let me say, uh, what was his name? Bill Murray plays Baloo in the live right. action and does a great job. He, he, like, oh, he, I believe it. He, he does his own version. It's it's not the same Baloo, but it's it's very similar and it's very comfortable. That's what Baloo is. He's just so comfy. Yeah. Well, like I said before, like Bill Murray, when I heard he was playing Blue, I was like, oh, that's perfect. That's exactly it, who it I wanted sense. to be. It makes perfect sense. And uh, John Goodman played him in, in the sequel, Jungle Book 2, the cartoon. Yeah. And again, it just makes perfect sense. John Goodman is just a comfortable dad. Yeah. <laughs> just a big, cuddly bear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but let's keep on rolling along into your next pick which was Grim Grinning Ghosts from the Haunted Mansion. Creek and the tombstones quake. Spooks come knockers wing and wake. Happy haunts materialize. And begin to vocalize. Grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize. Now don't See, I see this as one of the songs that you maybe played in the car and very similar. Yeah, my to girlfriend was like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very similar to Pink Elephants where it's like, this is weird. And like, well, it takes you on a journey. So I I do have a lot of questions. So is this from the Eddie Murphy movie? No. Or, okay. So, okay. The, I was like, was I don't created. know what this is from. <laughs> I'm like, is it the from the ride? Or the, the theme park ride? Right. Uh, have you ever okay. been on the ride? Yes, but I was, I was like 12 or something. So I don't remember. I, I would say... Top five for sure. Does the oh, yeah. rides, theme park rides of all time, beautiful uh, ride where there's a good combination of creepy and scary, but also family friendly and cartoony and goofy. Yeah, and I feel that's exactly what the song did. So it was created for the ride. 
And then the reason I know it so well, in the 90s, Disney had one of those sing-along VHS tapes. I don't know okay. if you remember them. And this is one of the songs. And I don't know if you've ever seen the video. If you, if you haven't, after this podcast, please YouTube it. It's, uh, I uh, posted it on my Instagram a bunch of times. It's, it's a bunch of characters, you know, costume characters they have in Disney World. They have a bunch yeah. of the villains. They have Captain Hook. They have uh, the big bad wolf. They have the, the, the scary witch from uh, Snow White. And they're all just doing this very just weird dance to the song <laughs> outside so the haunted thing. Yeah, Maleficent's there, and she has this really like greasy green makeup. It's so particular. This, and it, for some reason, ingrained itself in the back of my head. This music video for the longest time. Uh, Donald Duck's in it, and he has like a, a, a ghost. Uh, what do you, you know, like a like, like a, a ghost a, sheet over him? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to say a white sheet, but yeah, yeah, more or less, just like, yeah, no, but like we know, uh, uh, yeah, it's 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 very it's a very creepy song, it's very scary, but yet really goofy and really catchy. The more you listen to it, the more you get it. And uh, going into the film, the film was obviously based on the ride. That was yeah. an abomination. <laughs> well, well, that was why I was so curious where I was like, is this in the movie? Because I, I remember seeing that like one time when I was younger, renting it and being like, yeah, this uh, this one's not for me. Yeah, and this, this was like the height of Eddie Murphy. I, I saw right. it coming out and I was like, this is going to be amazing. And I, to all I remember, the extent of the song being used was... Uh, they had like CGI uh, yeah. cement faces, like uh, ones you would see at a graveyard or something like that, like statues singing yeah. to the song. And uh, yeah, they don't, they don't really pay too much homage to the song. But uh, now if you go to Disney World, it's playing everywhere where it's, it's, it's popular again. And when you ride the ride, it's playing throughout the whole ride. And it just works so well. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, it's very perfect in the sense that it is, it's both, spooky and creepy and it sets that kind of like classic halloween tone where like when you have especially the instrumental to it is that like creepy classic mm-hmm. organ music like um i you know i have uh the book we've always lived in the castle by shirley jackson that's mm-hmm. like absolutely like the cover work is like classic halloweeny and that's like the music i hear in my head when i look at the cover but then you get to like the voices singing who have that kind of creepy affectation to them but are also still kind of fun and silly right it's very uh sherman brothers which i don't know if you're aware of them they uh they didn't do this song, but they did a lot of the early theme park ride songs. They did a lot of Mary Poppins also. It, it's very like reminiscent of, of a Sherman Brothers song. Uh, it, it, it's just, it's like I said, it's catchy. Once you ride the ride or once you see this music video I'm talking about, it just gets stuck in your fucking head over and over again. It's, it's great. <laughs> uh, I'm excited to see this video. Oh, it's, it's, it's a weird one. And maybe... Maybe you've seen it already when you were a kid, and oh, maybe yeah. this will bring back memories. Trigger it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Um, okay, well, so let's keep on rolling along into my next pick, which I think is the most controversial thing on my <laughs> playlist. It's what I've been looking for from High School Musical. Me, thought I was alone with no one to hold, but you were always right beside me. I want you to know I've never had someone that knows me like you do, the way you do. I've never had 
you know, it, when you were on my podcast, I talked about how you, you're not afraid of showing you're like your, for lack of a better phrase, like wimpy side. You're not afraid to show that you like Taylor Swift oh, yeah. and you like High School Musical. Um, so this is the one song I had to I had to look up because I didn't remember it from the title, but right. I do remember it when it came out. Maybe you're, I'm assuming you're like a year or two younger than me. I'm 28. How old are you? I'm 27. So yeah, like a year younger. Okay, so there we go. And I think when High School Musical came out, it was a year too young for me and I watched it yeah and I liked the songs and I remember this song and re-listening to it it's a very good song yeah um but High School Musical just you know right it's too kiddie for me but why do you like the song well so I was in sixth grade when High School Musical came out and I was kind of like a I was kind of a theater kid you know about as much as I could be um I do remember I don't think I told anyone that I watched High School Musical. <laughs> like it came out on a Friday, Monday, I didn't walk into school. Like, so who else watched High School Musical? Because I was very self-conscious. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like, it is kind of like a, you know, when you're in sixth grade in like a Catholic school where, you know, you're the only guy that's really interested in like theater and like, mm-hmm. you know, I loved like Marilyn Manson and all that stuff. So like, I was very in touch with like, oh, I'll go, I'll like tap into like weird parts of my self that no one else will but I remember watching it and I was a little disappointed by some of the some of the more popular songs from High School Musical I think that a lot of the ones that have kind of stood that were kind of like billed as the like the singles for lack of a better word like start of something Mm. new or breaking free I thought were kind of corny but I felt like a song like this and which they absolutely ruined when they did it again afterwards as like a slowed down version yeah Yeah. i hated like zach efron and vanessa hudgens version i thought that this is exactly everything that i love about like musical theater just in general where it's very upbeat very fun very lighthearted. it's very broadway and it's meaningful too which is you don't expect when it's it's the same musical that has head in your game which is the yeah biggest rap like song oh yeah it's so dumb you know it's kenny ortega who's a you know musical director he it's him just going like uh, we need to talk about how zach needs to have his head in the game or or troy needs to have his head in the game exactly and they're gonna dribble balls and it's so stupid and then they have the the cafeteria one they're dancing on tables this this and i think the the soren flying one which you don't particularly like that much but these have like musical broadway merit to it yeah and and like they're good they're good songs when when i go back to high school musical the things that i the characters that i like the most are sharpay and ryan um Mm -hmm. and i think because out of all the people in high school when i was in high school in musical theater we did kind of have a troy bolton where there was a guy that was on like the soccer and baseball team that like could also sing and he was he played danny zuko when we did grease he's just perfect he's the perfect guy (laughs) His parents love him. His parents do everything they need to do. He has money. He's I think now everything. he's a lawyer too. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, doing perfect. really well for himself. But like, yeah. you know, we had we had something like that, but I knew many more Sharpays and Ryans than I knew. And from what I remember, they were like the they were funny. Like they're they oh, yeah. did, like Ashley Tisdale, she played Sharpay, right? She yeah. is funny in it. She does what she's supposed to do and they're they're both funny. You know, like they're, it's a very, they're one of the few things that work for the, the movie besides the music. 
Right. And they're supposed to be kind of villains because you want to see, you know, the couple get mm. it. But like at the same time, you know, the older I get, I'm like, well, I know the Sharpay has been doing, you know, getting singing lessons since she was six years old. And like, they're she working does for cost- yeah, she, she does, does deserve this. Yeah, um, I, I totally agree. Um, it, and, and I will say about the movie, it's, it's a DCOM. It's a Disney Channel original yeah. movie, which aren't good. They, they just can't be good, these movies, because they're made right. so quickly on such a short budget. So it's really incredible what they were able to do in High School Musical. And, like, it's it was solid. I remember the movie just being like, this is a... And it ends up being in the theaters with the third one. Yeah, you know, people, which, people loved it. And yeah. with, with all those uh, DCOMs, people just hooked onto them because they would just show them over and over again <laughs> yeah yeah and I, I was guilty Bef- the ones before that though i think like i said high school musical was kind of where i stopped watching them uh, right. just because i was getting older and i couldn't tell my friends i was watching these right. movies <laughs> and uh but yeah i watched all of them before that and oh, yeah. they're all really bad and the funny thing is I, rem- I i'll talk to my friends about them and they remember these movies being good they're like, yeah, I love Brink. I love Halloween Town. I'm like, no, these yeah. are bad movies. <laughs> but they still like they they still had like the the uh, the uh, the iconography that gets stuck mm-hmm. in your head. Um, Absolutely. And the crazy thing was, whoever was running Disney Channel at the time, I forget his name. Uh, his plan was create a decom every month, and for about three to four years, they made a movie every month. That's Can you imagine? Crazy. Yeah, that's why they were bad. But given, I mean, the time they're they had, it, they're, they're fine. And they're, they had, they're... you know, they did have that Disney budget. You know, yeah. was brought less than their regular movies, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, let's roll on into your next pick, which was after today from a Goofy movie. They've been laughing since I can remember. But they're not gonna laugh anymore. No more Maxi the Geek, no more Goof of the Week like before. No more algebra tests till September. No more looking at losers like him. No more having to cheat. No more mystery me. No more Jim. No more Jim. No more Jim. Is that my point? Yes, it is, yeah. <laughs> Which I, I do want to say, you know, another like teen high school musical movie like this reminded me a lot of like what i like about musical theater where this is kind of a classic musical theatery song exactly and uh you know when the, the movie a goofy movie came out it came out during the disney renaissance yeah uh right in between like i believe aladdin and Pocahontas. No one gave it anything. It didn't have any traction. People watched it, but it wasn't successful by any means. Right. Um, and then years later, uh, it has this huge resurgence. There's a there's a giant nostalgia for the film, and uh, but it, it's it's weird. It's not really for these type of songs. It's more for the character uh, Roxanne yeah. and, and Max. People love those two characters and and it's for the songs from Powerline. Have you seen yeah. the movie? I have yeah, not in a very long time. So, you know, there's like, a character called Powerline who's, who's kind of like a Michael Jackson figure. Yeah. Uh, he's a pop star. Uh, everyone loves him and he has a couple songs and they're awesome. They're eye to eye and I forget the other ones what they're called. They're great songs. Uh, this movie is powerful. It's a good movie and it talks about 
growing up and it, it gives like a, a passionate side to such a goofy character that is yeah. goofy you know and but to me the best parts of the movie is what you're talking about is the broadway parts of it there's a few songs in this movie that are very large scale for such a small movie yeah. you know and it, it and this song works so well because it really sets the tone. It's the, it's the opening song. It, it's it's very much like uh, Belle from Beauty and the Beast or or The Hills Are Alive from The Sound of Music. It's it's let's make this big Broadway. Let's explain everything about the character, and yet it's also relatable. You know, we've yeah, all been. A, we've yeah. all had a last day of school. Exactly, and we all want to show the world that, like, you know, I'm I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I could get the girl. I can do whatever. You know, people want to show. There, there is some like Colabiney shit in the song, though. <laughs> I don't know if you caught that. Where there's like, I'll show them after today. Like oh, I'm gonna go there. I did. That's a that's a dark at. <laughs> well, like I held back from saying that the what I've been looking for was incesty, but <laughs> you went there. With there's the one line that says. Uh, They've been laughing since I can remember. Well, they're not gonna laugh anymore. Oh no my god! Maxi the week, no more goof of the week anymore. You're like, wow. <laughs> this could have been a much darker movie. <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a good thing Max found extreme sports and then you know went to college to play the, in the X Games. Solid too. The sequel. Oh, very I love. I watched an extremely goofy movie many more times than I watched a goofy movie. Yeah, and they went a different direction where there's no songs being sung by the cast, but yeah. they took a bunch of 70s songs because there's that 70s vibe of the, of the film, and they turned it into like a, a 90s uh, ska versions of all the songs. Yeah. And like, it really works. And it's, a good, it's, it's almost as good as the first one, but the first one is... Uh, underrated and I'm glad it's getting a, a good you know nostalgia revamp now absolutely and I I don't know if I actually read the piece but I remember someone talked about how uh, a goofy movie speaks very much to like the black experience what do you mean there's like an essay where like a lot of like black kids just grew up and like really oh, okay. into a goofy movie yes yeah which and I think honestly, is super cool. Yeah, it's uh, what's the word? Racially ambiguous. Ambiguous. Yeah, because like you don't know what these—they're just dogs. They're, you they're, know? They're, they're all characters. You know, there's lots of different cultures. You know, there's there's Roxanne who lives in a very much of a, a white person's house, the very upper yeah. class. <laughs> house. He has a dad who's, you know, very aggressive and you don't know what's going behind, behind that door, you know? And then you have Max, who's not so well off. And the dad, uh, you know, he wants just, it, it's it's perfect. It, it really touches yeah. on a lot of diff different lives. Uh, and then you have uh, uh, Polly Shore voicing Bobby, who is very pop punk. <laughs> Bobby, is... <laughs> This is going to be an extremely goofy movie reference, but is he the Leaning Tower of Cheesa one? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's very pop punky, very nineties. Like he, has a he could have been in Jackass. <laughs> yeah, he's a Mohawk in the first one, and then an extremely goofy movie shaves his head. We're like, how does it get more pop punk than that? <laughs> oh man, I I hope they do like a super extremely goofy movie now, yeah. twenty years later. Yeah. Now that like new metal is having a revival, and maybe. Yeah, we're, use a different like adjective like 
an, an awfully goofy movie or an incredibly goofy movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that that's uh, like it's a franchise that was never like I feel like uh, a lot of the Disney characters started to get cool little spin-offs kind of like in our lifetime but then they weren't necessarily given the proper praise that they deserved like I loved watching like Disney's or Mickey's House of Mouse or something I love it I really love it because it gives these characterless characters character yeah (laughs) where uh, we grew up with Mickey Donald Goofy Minnie Pluto we don't know who these people are you know they're in these before these movies they were just in things you know and they didn't yeah. have a personality they were given personalities for that episode or for that little short you know we don't know who yeah. these people are but yet we're worshiping worshiping them you know goofy movies the first time where they're really like let's give this guy character and let, let's make him a person and it works yeah it was sort of like i feel like another thing that did that a lot for me was uh the kingdom hearts games right yeah exactly and which i never got into i, I just don't like the I don't know what what do you what do you call that type of video game? Oh, like the action adventure type. Yeah, I'm not stuff. really into like press this button now to see what he does now. I'm not into that whole idea of a game, but uh, yeah, I just love the world building. And yeah, they're they're starting to work on it more now. Like now, there's new Mickey Mouse shorts, and they're and he's witty and he's making jokes, opposed to just being a characterless figure. Yeah, it's it's very cool. And the best part of a goofy movie is you see uh, you see Mickey and Donald for a second. They have a cameo. Yeah, I I forgot about that. But they do. They are like brief, and like you get to see like little side characters that were in like individual goofy cartoons. Get like, they even their reference uh, Walt Disney as a man. They, they they make this joke as like they're doing like a twenty questions type game, and Max asks Goofy, "Is it a man?" And he knows the answer is Walt Disney because he's the only man in this universe <laughs> that's so funny which is also kind of weird like is he is he god who is he <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, i'll have to revisit this that's it's, so funny. Dude, it's a good movie like it I, like i said i rewatched all the movies it's easily a top 20 disney movie it's oh. yeah it, it offers more in the storyline than most disney movies are like you can go to a a beautiful movie like snow white or cinderella they're not offering a lot in the actual right. plot and like learning device. In a goofy movie, you're, you're learning with the characters. Yeah. Something funny to say that we're taking this movie so seriously, but it is. I mean, it, it was the '90s. They had uh, they had more responsibility, I guess. I feel like mm-hmm. that was when people started doing like more like after school specialty type things, and they were like, "We got to give uh, we got to give our kids movies messages." Yeah, honestly, it's one step away from having Max doing drugs in the movie. Like that's what really what we wanted to say when <laughs> it he gets have been in trouble. Super bad. Yeah, like like when he when he really were saying Max is getting in trouble for doing this, you know, thing at school for pretending to be Powerline. What yeah. they really wanted to say, like he did something bad, like spray painted <laughs> he, the wall. Or he was drugs. drinking in the locker room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh man, but let's keep on rolling along into my second Jungle Book pick, which was I Want to Be Like You. Now I'm the king of the swingers, oh, the jungle VIP. I've reached the top and had to stop, and that's what's bothering me. I want to be a man, man cub, and stroll right into town. 
and be just like the other men. I'm tired of walking around. Oh, ooby-doo. I want to be like you. I want to walk like you. Talk like you. You see it's true. Yeah, so you pick two songs, which means... You really just like the two songs or you really love the jungle book? Uh, both. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it was it was fun going back because well, because I I was originally thinking like, okay, I'll do one from the jungle book, and then I just had them both, and I was like, I kind of like them both for very different things. Yeah. Um they are I very like, different songs. Yeah, and I feel like I wanna be like you is kind of a villain song, even though it's not really, and like he's uh, King Louie isn't the actual villain of the movie that, you know, Shere Khan is, but he's not a savory character either. Yeah. Well, they, they make in the, in the remake, they, they make him more of a villain and it works, honestly. Okay. Christopher Walken plays him. The, the weird thing they do in the, in the movie, which kind of makes sense in the remake is they make the song. So it sounds like they're not actually playing music. So okay. like, he, when when he sings Bare Necessities, he's kind of whistling it like a person just would sing a song without a, a band behind him, you know. Right. And with "I Want to Be Like You," it's Christopher Walken as a giant orangutan, uh, kind of just saying it, but in a song tune, you know. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, ooh, 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 I want to be like you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it really works, you know. It's it's way different than the original, but the original is awesome. Like I said, we mentioned Louis Prima is yeah. one of my favorite singers ever and he just works with the character so well absolutely and one of the things that i you know i think that's very funny about it too is it's kind of a joke about evolution Mm -hmm. just because you know the whole i want to be like you but one of the things that also sticks out to me listening now and this might just be because i just watched the woodstock documentary and i've been listening to like corn and limp biscuit there is a moment that just like king louis starts like making noises and i'm like is jonathan davis on this <laughs> you know because it just sounds like freak on a leash and i'm like oh this is weird but it is like a cool like great driving jazz number it is and, and what he mentioned about the whole evolution thing it's 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 great because he's he very much is like a human he's a monkey he has possible yeah. thumbs he's standing up just like mowgli is he just can't figure out how to make fire, fire. he really he's he, that's all he wants in life he's how do you do this you know and it's yeah. a very much a, a big theme you'll see in a lot of these songs we're talking about is the i want song and yeah. for the most part, the I Want song, which is usually written by Howard Ashman, is like <laughs> is like this this kind of dainty woman and speaking to the world, like, give me this, you know, yeah. in part of my world or in Little Shop of Horrors, you know, somewhere is green. Yeah. You know, it's very much like, give it to me. It's usually like a protagonist. This is one of the first times where like, it's a little... Uh, Selfish. Selfish. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's not a. It's not an. I want something. It's not. I want something so that I can kind of be internally satisfied. It's. I want something so I could have power. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Which yeah. works as a villain song. You know. It's. It, it's so good. Yeah. I'm. I'm very curious. Just because the way you describe it with Christopher Walken now, I might look up just that scene tonight. <laughs> um, You're either hate it or love it. I. And I think I like it. I mean, I am gonna, I am gonna sit down and watch the whole thing at some point. Um, like I said, I think it's the only movie that might be better than, than the original cartoon. 
because it, it, it explains things more and the voice right. acting is perfect. Scarlett Johansson plays the snake. Um, Idris Elba plays the, the Black Panther. I forget his name. Uh, not Sheerkoff. Yeah. Oh, I forget his name too. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's it's solid. It's in it, John Favreau. John Favreau did that and then he went on to do Lion King, which he more or less did the same idea of like, let's create the same movie, but make it realistic. Okay. And I think it, it, it didn't do as well because it didn't have Mowgli. You know, Mowgli keeps it grounded because there's an actual human there. Yeah, there's a person that you can kind of be like, you see the physical person acting. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Let's roll on into your next pick, which was One Last Hope from Hercules, as sung by the great Danny DeVito. Pain for which there ain't no ointment. So much for excuses, though a kid is Zeus's. Asking me to jump into the fray. My answer is two words. Okay. Oh, oh, you win. Oh, God. I've given up hope that someone would come. Well, uh, parentheses Phil's song, which I've seen many times written that way. Just like, uh, with Billy Joel with uh, parentheses Anthony song and moving out. Yep. <laughs> it's, I've seen I've seen one last hope parentheses Phil song. So I love that. Um, it, it, and the reason I picked this song is because you know the other music in in Hercules is is much better. <laughs> it's better than this song. The other music in Hercules is. Are you a Hercules fan? Um, not totally. Just because I feel like. I didn't, I saw it when I was really little and I didn't like pick up on it and I didn't have the VHS or anything. So mm. I just didn't see it again until I was much older. And then when I was older, I could see all the flaws with it. There's a lot of flaws, but also a lot that works for it. And honestly, I think it, it deserves to be known as one of the classics. It's very good. And one of the reasons it's very good is because Alan Menken and he does this awesome flow of like beautiful gospel music but it's yeah kind of themed to greek tragedy it works so well but there's one song that just doesn't follow the format <laughs> and it's one last oh it, it's so different and it's so funny and it it's like they said you know we have danny devito he's one of the star characters of this or star actors of this film how do we make danny devito singing work right because the year before they had hunchback and they had John, uh, Jason Alexander from Seinfeld singing uh, as a gargoyle, and, and it didn't right. work. It was very bad, and mostly because that was a cheer-up song. Uh, and it doesn't move the story at all. It's just like, right. it's like let's, let's just get this person singing because everyone loves Jason Alexander. It didn't work. The movie was, like, the reason the movie was bad is because of the gargoyles. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, with this... They decided, let's make this a montage song. Let's make the the story move. Let's start out with Hercules being this skinny, goofy little, you know, twerp and, and have Phil turn him into a, a god. And let's make it fun. Let's make it jazzy. Let's make it Broadway. And it just, it, it, it services the film so well. And it's just fun. You know, I, I can listen to gospel truth on Hercules a lot, but... I'm going to get tired of it. I'm going to listen to Zero to Hero. I'm going to get tired of this. I never get tired of One Last Hope. It's just so funny. Yeah, well, because it's kind of, like you said, it's kind of out there. And I think something that Disney does really 
excuse me, really well is when they take an actor with a very distinctive voice who mm. shouldn't sing probably. Mm. And then they said, okay, we're going to give him a big song. <laughs> Um, and you know and I think that there's a charm to that and I think that it works really well I think that like the uh, they had the rock do it in Moana or Moana yeah Um, he was was absolutely perfect right you know why because uh, Maui I think is the character's name he looks like the rock it feels like the rock is there singing it and it's the same thing with Phil and Dan DeVito it looks like Danny DeVito and it feels like it's him there you know a big problem when you watch something like Pocahontas and you see John Smith, who's voiced by Mel Gibson. I can't take myself out of it because that's Mel Gibson. And he even sings in yeah. the beginning. And you're like, that's <laughs> Mel Gibson singing. That doesn't feel like John Smith singing. Right. Same with Jason Alexander in The Gargoyle. It, that you doesn't happen. That is Jason Alexander. Exactly. But I believe Phil, Danny DeVito is Phil. You know, I, it makes right. so much sense they work very well together and it's very fleshed mm-hmm. out. And uh, like you said, it's, it's a montage song and it's active in the story where it's not, you know, like just kind of thrown in there. Like, let's see if it would work. If even go the distance, which is a great song. Uh, and again, is a, I want song that works, but it, uh, it really slows the story down and you watch yeah. it and you're like, this is kind of boring. Uh, when, when uh, one last hope really moves the story forward, and honestly, the movie gets way better ap- after it happens. Absolutely. You're my one last hope, and kid, it's all to you. Yeah. This has been a Lug Hole podcast.